Hi, this is Gary Novosel, and welcome to the Raw Dog Hawaii podcast. This is episode number one. Why? Because everybody's got to start somewhere. Today I want to talk to you about why I started a raw pet food business. It started with a dog named Bear, and this was back, gosh, eight. Maybe 2009. Not sure. Um, I think it was around 2009. My wife calls and says she's bringing somebody home for dinner. And I'm out working in the yard. We're in Texas, in Austin. It's like 100 degrees. I am just dying hot, tired, sweaty, dirty, and do not want to do anything associated with a dinner party, cooking for dinner, having anybody over. And she pulls up in the driveway literally just a couple minutes later. And in the front uh, passenger seat, I see this big black fuzzy head. And and that was the very first time that I met Bear. Bear came to us with all kinds of allergies. And I remember different foods, uh, you know, at first... I didn't know anything about raw food, and, and we were feeding him, uh, I don't remember what kind of crap dry dog food it was, but he was not doing well. He was shedding, he had uh, rashes and hot spots and ear infections, and his poop was big and stinky, and it was just what everybody, I think, experiences with a dog. This is a typical person's experience when they have a dog in their life. So you're constantly dealing with shedding and sweeping the floors and giving your dog a bath and dealing with, you know, just all kinds of smells, spending money on veterinarian bills and and going to the store, actually looking at, at the packages of food that are on these store shelves and and believing the pictures that are on the front of the bags. You're looking at these bags like, yeah, that that bag really has a grilled chicken breast and and peas and what what looks like something that I would have on on my plate at, at Thanksgiving. Fast forward when I learn about raw and and first start learning about raw food. That was in late 2010. 2011 and uh, a friend introduced me to the concept of raw food and when I started feeding Bear a raw food diet literally within a month his whole life and our lives completely changed It, it it was literally the most amazing transformation that I had ever seen and it it was it was almost I mean just unbelievable how quickly all of those things that we had been doing battle with and spending thousands of dollars on trying to fix for years just disappeared and that's 
the time that I started kind of diving down into that raw feeding rabbit hole. Uh, and, it, and it's, as I've learned, in pet food manufacturing, especially raw, high-end, high-quality pet food manufacturing, there are a lot of, of information rabbit holes, and there's a lot of myths out there. There's a lot of lies out there, and, and companies that are intentionally feeding, manufacturing, and, and, and building pet foods out of the absolute most crappy, disgusting ingredients that, frankly, you, you can't even imagine. If you're listening to this and, and you're feeding your dog a, a raw food and you've become educated, I can tell you that what you know is is probably just like the the top of the iceberg that's barely you know out of the, the top of the water and you're not seeing all of the the craft that's that's underneath the water um and and that mass that amount of garbage information is is enormous so the the more that i manufacture raw food the longer that I'm in this business, the, the more that I learn about the agricultural industry and the, the meat industry and some of the things that these companies uh, push on us as consumers and, and get away with is, is just pathetically disgusting. So I'm, I'm going to hop back down off my soapbox um, because when I start talking about bear and how I got into raw food, this becomes very, it becomes a very emotional thing for me. This is, this is what drives me from, from day to day, from, from dog to dog, from bag of food to, to box of, of patties, is I know how much dis, well, that's probably not even true either. I really don't know how much disinformation how much stuff is out there. I know a lot more than a consumer knows. Uh, I know a lot more than what your average uh, pet store owner knows. And I know a lot more than what these people who are just starting raw pet food companies even pretend to know uh, because of, of how closely we work with uh, our ranches and our farmers uh, and the information that, that they're able to provide us and information that I get from the industry that I'm able to verify with people who, who here in Hawaii spend the time and the effort and, and have the passion for raising some of the most incredible uh, animals on the planet So and, and some of the most nutritious. So back to why I started uh, raw food. Uh, I think uh, that most raw pet food manufacturers, um, this is not true of all of them, uh, of course, but I think the, the high-end ones, most of the purists, you know, even some of the ones that, you know, financially they, they've been pushed uh, to decision points where they've, they've had to compromise things or, or make uh, decisions in their process 
that that maybe I haven't had to make yet. Um, it almost always started out because of an animal. Um, having an animal that had these issues, and you you learn about raw pet food. You you it's a foreign concept to you. You really don't either understand it or believe it. Uh, your veterinarian certainly doesn't support it. It's rare even today that you find a veterinarian um, that will say they support raw pet food because they get ostracized by their community. Um, but the guys like me who, or I say guys, the, the people who found companies that make premium raw pet food and they really spend the time knowing where the ingredients came from in sourcing, knowing the, the farms and ranches where the ingredients were produced, knowing the methods that, that the animals were raised in. I mean, were they, uh, were chickens ra raised in a chicken coop being fed corn and soy, or were they free ranging, or were they pasture raised, or is there even a difference? Do you know what the difference is? So, you don't just get out of bed one day and say, hey, I want to start a manufacturing company. I can tell you, looking back after over seven years of doing this, if somebody would have told me how incredibly hard this is and sat me down and, and let me see the the difficulties in a manufacturing environment for pet foods, and then said, oh, by the way, and, and the regulatory burdens that you're gonna face are gonna be even more stringent than, than those that are faced in the human pet food industry, which is true, by the way. The, the raw pet food industry has more stringent regulations than the USDA or human pet food does, and, and I'm not even going to get started yet in this episode on dry pet food, um, because that's that's just a disgusting story we'll talk about another time. Um, but if somebody would have told me then, or I've been able to, to see what happens on a daily basis, like, oh, a whole freezer went out, or, oh, this piece, you're, you're the main component in your production line is broken. You can't make food today. Or, oh, um, you know, your employees all quit. Um, or, you know, pick pick something. Um, oh, you, the, your, your delivery van won't start. Or, or, oh, FedEx, you know, shipped boxes uh, to the wrong Hawaiian island. Um, and your customer wants to know, why the shipment that's supposed to be on Maui uh, is is on Molokai. Um, I mean, literally, it's every single day. It's it's something that I think um, what I call mere mortals would um, they'd never survive this. Um, somehow, I'm not sure how I get through every day surviving all this stuff. It's it's hard. Um, but the reason that I do this. And, and I'm going to finally get to the, the end uh, of this episode. Here's the reason that I do this. Uh, first of all, 
I love animals dearly, passionately, and deeply. I care about them um, more than humans most of the time because animals unconditionally love. Um, they will they will give you everything that they have, and as long as we're smart enough to listen and to accept it, um, they'll continue to give more than we can ever possibly give them. That's that is the the first reason that I do this. The second reason is I saw the results that it had on my dog there. I saw a dog that I, I, I was literally, I was so, I, I was so much in pain for him because I could not help him live, uh, pain and scratch and itch and ear infection free. He, he was a lot of the times miserable with these things and, and I was utterly powerless to do anything about it and my veterinarians were utterly incapable of, of doing anything about it except for maybe short term medication or, or a pain medication. So so seeing Bear go through this transformation and become literally, at 17 years old, people thought he was a puppy. Um, but seeing that transformation, that's what fuels me every day. And then finally, the, the third thing is the stories, the, the facts that I get from our customers whose dogs are eating our food over 20 plus full cancer reversals. I need to restate that because 20 years ago, if a, if a vet saw cancer in an animal, what they did was they would get a hold of other veterinarians who would, would come look at it because they, they never or very, very rarely ever saw it. And today, as I'm making this, it's it's January of 2020. One out of every two dogs, so 50% of dogs, by the time they reach the age of nine years old, will receive a cancer diagnosis. That That is statistically important. It used to be you would never see cancer in animals, or it was super rare. And now, half of all dogs by the time they reach the age of nine will get a cancer diagnosis. One in three cats, one third of all cats by the time they're aged nine will receive a cancer diagnosis. So what changed? Well, dogs and cats didn't evolve into another life form. Uh, it, that takes thousands or tens of thousands of years or, or hundreds of thousands of years. So no, that didn't happen. Um, what did happen was the chem, the petrochem industries, uh, pesticides and herbicides, genetically modified crops, Roundup, things that remove minerals, chelate minerals out of the soil, basically causing our soil to become dead no living microorganisms, uh, requiring fertilizer to be sprayed in order for seeds to sprout and grow. So that changed. 
food processing has has just gotten so intense that it, it is it's virtually almost impossible to go into a grocery store and and not see a food item that hasn't been processed right so so you think raw eggs well those have been washed so by washing an egg and and this is not true in other countries uh, a lot a lot of countries sell eggs that are unwashed because washing an egg makes the shell more porous and susceptible to things being drawn through the calcium of the shell because calcium is a a porous material Uh, irradiating so literally passing eggs through a radiation field in order to kill harmful or potentially harmful bacteria so we need to keep in mind that yes there's bad bacteria out there uh, and very little of it will harm us or kill us but there's also these things called probiotics or beneficial bacteria there are things that are vitamins those are alive as well by irradiating our food we kill these beneficial bacteria We process our food so heavily that that we're now at a point where we are making a plant-based food, and and there's several brand names out there. Uh, One, you know, has Impossible in it, Um, but literally making plant-based burgers that look and, and possibly smell and taste like meat for people who are vegan or vegetarian that think they're doing a good thing, but they're literally eating the happy meal, the the heavily processed food that just happens to be made from plants. Still, now it's heavily processed. It's not in its natural form. So, So that has impacted human and animal lives. But the stories from our customers were dogs can have cancer reversals. Dogs' allergies can go away. Dogs who have growths on their body that simply disappear. Dogs that have been diagnosed. uh, One example, a Rottweiler, a 10-month-old puppy, diagnosed by a veterinarian. And the, the owner was told, your dog needs hip dysplasia surgery because your dog will never live a pain-free life at 10 months old the owner switched their dog to our raw food within about six weeks we got a review on yelp so it is still there if you search raw dog hawaii look on our yelp reviews you'll see a picture of rottweiler and the owner the owner's quote was my dog now runs around the park like a stallion. No surgery required. We hear these things all the time. And it's not just us. It's other raw pet food manufacturers. It is people who are taking it upon themselves to educate themselves at home. And 
understand and learn how to feed raw diets appropriately, how to make them themselves. And they too find that it's a lot of work. It's difficult determining the sourcing of animals. And what did that animal eat? Where did it really come from? Did that chicken in the grocery store get bathed in a chlorine bath before it got wrapped up in that plastic bag? Um, You know, why is that steak in that package a bright red, but there's one right down here that's reduced 30% off that's gray? Um, Is that steak still good? People don't don't know that grocery stores are modifying the gas in these packaging, in, in the meat packaging, to keep the meat looking red. So, the people who are feeding raw, and the people who are taking the time to get informed, they're healing their pets, and, and they're starting to see that real food, as Socrates said, let food be the medicine and medicine be thy food. You know, it, it's true. We didn't see all of these diseases and we didn't experience all of this sickness in animals until processed food came around. And there's a reason that all of these cancers have started to appear and are now appearing in 50% of our dog population by the time they reach the age of nine, assuming they even live that long. Now, I'm driving home, I'm recording this podcast. Right next to me is an 18 and a half year old, eight pound Tibetan Spaniel named Minnie. Uh, she, She is one of the uh, two four-legged loves of my life. She literally should be eating about two ounces of our food per day. Uh, two years ago, she was going to be euthanized. She was uh, being taken uh, to the Hawaii, Hawaiian Humane Society to be euthanized because the owner thought she was too old. So she was intercepted. I uh, foster failed. My wife and I adopted her, started feeding her raw food. And boy, if you take out a leash now, uh, you, you will take this dog for a walk and and she runs and she pulls on that leash so you you've got to either walk really quick or jog a little bit to keep up with her that's 18 and a half so when you when you meet someone who feeds their animal a raw diet um it's almost like you're going to feel like you're you're talking to an evangelist or somebody in a cult. And and what you're really talking to is somebody who's passionate, somebody who really cares about what they are feeding and they have enough information to help you. And the, the best thing that I can advise you is don't summarily dismiss their ranting. Um, it's going to sound like it. Sometimes I, I know I come off that way, and I probably do in this podcast. But it's passion. It's it's caring. And it's a, in a belief that it's a pretty simple belief, actually. Um, but real food rots. Real food rots pretty quickly. 
So if I can take a food that contains beef or chicken and that can be put on a shelf with no refrigeration and it can sit there with an expiration date two years into the future, you better be asking yourself, why? How is that capable of sitting there and not rotting in that bag? It's not magic. It's not witchcraft. Nobody cast a spell on that bag of food. It's chemistry. And it's really bad chemistry. It's the processing, the heavily based processing of that food, the preservatives that are in it to keep the fats from going rancid, um, and, and very likely things that if you eat those things, you're going to see the results of those things that are in your diet in your life. And that's why we see in humans uh, a huge increase in diabetes, an overweight population, heart cardiovascular disease. Um, folks, real food rots. So think about that when you think your dog is stubborn for not eating the dried dog food in a bowl. When they're taking it out, putting it on the ground and looking at you. That's dog language for this sucks. Get this shit out of my bowl. Thanks for listening. I'm Gary Novosel. Thank you for listening to the Radical Y podcast, and I'll be talking to you soon. Aloha, friends.